Lead to Win is brought to you by Leaderbox, a monthly reading experience curated by leaders for leaders. Learn more at leaderbox.com. So, Dad, what is the worst meeting you've ever been in? It's hard to narrow it down because I've been in a lot of bad meetings. <laughs> Haven't we all? But <laughs> I can think of one where the person who was leading the meeting, in this case, the department head, was so upset with one person's performance that he reamed him out in front of the entire group. And it was so bad that the person left the room crying and the rest of us were left stunned. I mean, we felt like a, a bomb had just gone off. Oh my gosh. I mean, where do you go from there? There was nowhere to go. Nowhere it was to go. terrible. Well, that's pretty bad, but here's one that beats it. It's from Todd Horton, who worked for a company that did business in Korea. When he was appointed marketing director and moved to Seoul, he started off his first meeting using his limited Korean language skills. You know, this is going right. He introduced himself and said he wanted to be approachable and work closely with everybody. But apparently his Korean was not as good as he thought. What he actually said was, hi, I'm Todd. And now that I'm here, a lot will change. I'm a communist and encourage you to bring your, your communist ideals to everything we do. By working together, we will conquer. <laughs> I almost just can't get through that because it's so bad. Like, can you imagine, like, the look on the people's faces? This is their new boss telling them <laughs> we're gonna, <laughs> that he's a communist. And, and we're going to conquer. Right. Pretty bad. Uh, okay. Okay, so I got one that's even worse. So a tech employee named Lauren was invited to an online product demo. What she thought would be a 10-minute meeting with a vendor turned into an hour-long nightmare. The online presentation had a 10-digit passcode. 15 minutes into the call, they were stuck in the Bermuda Triangle of dropped calls. Oh, gosh. Every time someone successfully logged in, somebody else would get kicked out. It took 20 minutes of back-and-forth emails to convince the vendor to use her company's conferencing app instead. That's like where you just want to quit and start over. Totally. Okay, so you want to talk about being stuck in limbo. Listen to what Josh said about weekly project planning meetings at his company. They would go on for hours beyond the scheduled time. Sometimes they even bled into the next what? day. I know. All other work was stopped and everybody skipped lunch. You know, that's not going to end well. And even bathroom breaks were discouraged. He said, every month I felt shipwrecked with no food, no water, <laughs> and no escape. That's not a meeting. That's a sentence. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's nothing. <laughs> Let's listen to this one from a former city communications director. He witnessed a city council meeting that lasted until 3.15 a.m. At around midnight, the mayor led the council in stretching and calisthenics. Oh, my gosh. Mm, it's not a good sign. That's bad, but it's not a record. In July 2011, the mayor of Toronto convened a city council meeting to discuss budget cuts. It lasted 22 hours and 25 minutes. Wow. It didn't end until 6.30 the next morning. And the best part? There was no action. They postponed making a decision until the next city council meeting two months away. Wow. That was Toronto? That sounds like Washington, D.C. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of meetings, when are you going to get this one started? Me? I thought you were in charge. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work, succeed at life, and lead with confidence. And in this episode... We're talking about everybody's least favorite activity, meetings. 
and I'm going to show you why they matter and how to make them more productive. The truth is that meetings are a necessary part of organizational life and every leader needs to convene them. Unfortunately, we often allow them to run on autopilot, trapping our team in a never-ending cycle of pointless meetings. Today, we'll show you the real purpose of meetings and we'll share three questions that will make your team more productive than ever before. Hey, but before we dive into our subject today, if you're enjoying Lead to Win, I want to ask you to leave a review. It'll only take a couple minutes and we've made it super easy for you. All you need to do is go to michaelhyatt.com slash review it, michaelhyatt.com slash review it. And that's really going to help other high achievers find and enjoy the great content that you're enjoying. Thanks so much. Dad, everybody seems to hate meetings, yet we all hold them. I was reading the results of a survey of 1,600 employees that showed the top 10 annoyances that people have with meetings. Are you ready for these? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Allowing attendees to ramble and repeat the same comments and thoughts. I mean, this is just like a groan fest. Number two, doesn't start on time, stay on track, or finish on time. One of my pet peeves. Right? No specific action items or walkaway points. No clear purpose or objectives, not inspiring or motivating, not organized, no agenda, too long. I mean, this feels like almost every meeting. Repeating information for late arrivals. Hate that. Weak presenter who's unprepared, monotone, or overly redundant, boring, or nothing new or interesting. But you've got an interesting take here, Dad. You actually think that meetings are a vital part of a healthy organization and that they don't have to be like this. So I want to hear more about that. Yeah, so I know this may be heresy, but I actually like meetings as long as they're framed up the right way and conducted in the right way. And great meetings foster great collaboration. And you're not going to accomplish much if you try to do it on your own. You've got to do it with a team, and doing it with a team requires meetings. So many people think meetings are about sharing information or brainstorming. Not so. The real purpose is to help the team collaborate. So it's about decision-making or goal tracking or priority reviews or troubleshooting, project coordination, something specific. So as soon as you're doing more than you could do on your own, you need meetings because you got to collaborate with other people. The problem is that most meetings are not well executed. So comedian Dave Barry said, if you had to identify in one word the reason why the human race is not achieved and never will achieve its full potential, that word would be meetings. <laughs> uh, when Mattel CEO Brian Stockton was fired over the company's poor performance, he acknowledged that the company lacked an innovative culture, and he blamed it in part on bad meetings. Wow. Yeah. So pointless, boring meetings are costing your organization thousands of dollars. But the problem is not meetings. It's execution. We got to be careful here that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. 60% of workers say that preparing for a simple status meeting takes longer than the meeting. Good grief. Employees attend an average of 62 meetings per month. (laughs) Crazy. Maybe now you know why you're not getting anything done. Yeah, exactly. Executives spend 40 to 50% of their work time, an average of 23 hours per week, sitting in meetings. I can tell you when I was in the corporate world, it was more like 40 hours a week, literally nonstop. My work had to be done in evenings or on the weekends. I couldn't do it during uh, regular work hours. So bottom line, our meeting culture is broken. Uh, The traditional meeting is dead or it should be, and we need a completely new approach. 
Well, clearly, traditional meetings aren't working, but you believe that can change. So today we're going to look at three questions that will keep your meetings from ruining your productivity. What's the first one? Well, the first one, and it may be the obvious one, question number one, do we need to meet? I mean, this is something people need to ask more often if like they ever do in the first place. Absolutely. I mean, many meetings, perhaps most meetings, simply aren't necessary. Mm-hmm. According to one study, 34% of an executive's total meeting time is spent in meetings that are unnecessary. So some examples of unnecessary meetings, most standing or recurring meetings, uh, those whose purpose is passing along information, some decision makings, especially when the decision could be made by one person. And I've seen yes. this happen over and over again, where somebody calls a meeting because they don't want to take responsibility or be held accountable for the decision. So they sort of, you know, pass it out to the committee to make, and then they don't have to be accountable for the results. Mm-hmm. But meetings have become so often in many cultures a default solution. When there's a problem, what do you do? Call a meeting. Yep. And many standing meetings are never reevaluated. I mean, they may start with a good purpose and they may have a good purpose for a while or a good reason for existence, but then they outlive their usefulness and they really need to be killed. In the movie The Young Victoria, Prince Albert enters a dining room where a guard was setting the table. Albert asked who the dinner was for. The man said, for the officers guarding the king. Albert said, which king? And he was told, King George. King George had been dead for 20 years. They just kept doing it. Wow. How often do we do that with our own meetings? They've outlived their usefulness and we just keep them going in perpetuity. Right. According to one study, a Fortune 500 company loses up to $75 million per year due to poor meetings. Wow. So there are other solutions for many types of meetings, like standing updates can be made by email. They don't need to be made in person. Information can be distributed in a memo. Slack or other communication tools can save the time spent attending the meeting. And some decisions are in the hands of the leader, not the team. And a quick phone call can also uh, be done in lieu of a you know a thirty minute meeting that eats up a lot of people's time. So um, I have a little story that happened to me recently, and that's where I realized I was having some unnecessary meetings. Uh, one of the most important parts of my job is to make um, decisions, you know, kind of like high level decisions that nobody else in the company can make. And very often those are needed by our executive, or our leadership team. And what I realized was happening, and it was my own fault, is that in rather than making just the decision, I was involved in the process of decision making. So I would be asked to set up a meeting or someone else would have set up a meeting and invite me where we would talk about the decision that needed to be made and all the pros and cons and the research and all that kind of stuff. And then in that meeting, I would try to make a decision where several other executives had their time tied up. What I realized was instead, my contribution needed to be just the decision, which I could make totally on my own, if I asked for a recommendation, which would eliminate a meeting for me and for my team and freed us both up to do our best work and make our greatest contribution. So this sneaks up on all of us, which is why we need to be aware of it. Yeah. And I think the important thing when it comes to asking this question, do we need a meeting? is there's not a right answer to this. Like the answer should always be no or always be yes. I mean, it depends on the circumstances. The important thing is to ask the question. Yes. Because that's what so often doesn't happen. We slip into default mode and we just call a meeting. If we all hate meetings so much, why do we resort to them so quickly? Well, one of them I mentioned a moment ago, it spreads the liability for the outcome. You know, so if we call a meeting, then I don't have to be held accountable as a leader because it's a group decision. We all came to it and everybody's responsible. Therefore, no one's responsible. Um, sometimes it's just easier than making a decision. Yeah. You know, it's like a, an easy next uh, step. Whereas making a decision sounds like, oh, I've got to gather the information. I've got to make this weighty decision on my own. 
And so instead, we just call a meeting uh, to, to kind of postpone that. And it enlists others in doing our work. So instead of doing the hard work and the hard thinking necessary yeah. to make a decision, we get everybody else involved. And it's a very inefficient way uh, to come to decisions. Well, that's what I've seen a lot with our clients is that, especially for really busy leaders, sometimes it's easier than thinking through what your next action is or your next decision or the, you know whatever the next step is. If you just have a meeting, it's sort of like, I'll figure it out when I get there because yeah. I don't have time to think about it now. In reality, it takes far more time to have a meeting than it would to think about it. But I think when you get busy, you just feel like you don't even have time to think about that's it. Right. So you just sort of postpone the whole thing, uh, which is something to be aware of if you find yourself uh, feeling really busy. Yeah. And so again, we're not saying that the answer should always be no when you right. answer this que- or ask this question. We're just saying that that's one tool in your toolbox that no is a good answer, right? Absolutely. There may be another way to do it that's much more efficient and more productive than calling a meeting. Well, then the meetings that you do have left on your calendar will be highly productive and people will look forward to them yes, instead of dreading. Totally. Before we go on, can we be honest? People don't like meetings, right? Meetings have a bad rap for being counterproductive and unhelpful. And this is sad because the only reason meetings have this reputation is because they're poorly run. They're not planned. And no one knows why they're even there. Well, it's a different story at Michael Hyatt and Company. We've really engineered a new way to do meetings. We're convinced that our meetings are a major contributor to our fast growth. We love meetings, the right meetings. Why? Because we know they're going to add to the bottom line and make our team more productive. Can you say the same thing? We want everyone to have productive meetings, and that's why we wrote this new book, No Fail Meetings. This is a new physical product to help you and your team make the most out of every meeting and to get out of those meetings that are worthless, that don't add any value. It includes our five steps for effective meetings, pointers for guiding discussions, tools to help you decide who needs to be in the meeting and who doesn't, what needs to be done, and it even includes scripts to get out of meetings that you don't need to be attending. We're positive this physical handbook could increase your bottom line with more efficient meetings. And who knows, you might even learn to love meetings. You can grab your copy at nofailmeetings.com. So question one is, do we even need to meet? What is question number two? This is a really important one because you can waste thousands of man hours if you don't get this right. Who should be there? Not everyone needs to be in every meeting. If 10 people attend a weekly meeting, but five don't need to, you're losing 260 hours every year. You can Mm -hmm. do the math on your own. But in addition to the time spent in the meeting, those same people are losing time doing needless prep for a meeting they shouldn't be in to begin with. One study found that 73% of employees do other work during meetings. Have you ever sat in a meeting like that? Oh, yeah. Where people are working away on their computers. You know, they're working away on their smartphones, they're doing other work, and they're not fully present. And as a result, the meeting takes like three times as long as it needs to. So some people get invited based on their position, not their contribution. You know, it's like a political environment. We feel like, well, if we don't invite them, then they're going to be offended or they're going to get the wrong message. Others may continue to attend a meeting after their role changes. Some people fear being left out of a decision or somehow cut out of power. You know, Mm. I got over that a long time ago. Right. You know, I'm happy for decisions to be made in my absence if somebody wants to make them. And we like safety in numbers, but fewer attendees is always better. It's more efficient. So years ago, I used to sit on a board that had, I don't know, 20 plus members. 
And you talk about herding cats. <laughs> it's very difficult to get 20 plus people in alignment about anything. Sure. And most of those people didn't contribute anything. Right. You know, they were taking up a seat, keeping a seat warm, but they didn't have anything to contribute. You know, it wasn't like a meeting where them getting the information was necessary, or they certainly didn't have to attend. In this case, it was like a meeting that would last two days, have to attend a two-day meeting in order to get that information. Right. And it was a complete waste of probably 75% of the people's time who were in that meeting. Well, it kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning of that um, conversation there. You know, you need to think about it, like how many man hours does it cost you? Don't right. think of it like it's a one-hour meeting. Think of it like it's a one-hour meeting times however many people you have. And can you really afford to sideline those people unless they're absolutely essential there? The way I think about it is, what's the minimum effective dose? You know, yes. who who do we have to have there? And then how can those people take the information from that meeting and get it to their teams and so forth? Um, but that will really help your efficiency in meetings if you think like that. Yeah, I think of it like this too. Like a, a rule of thumb is invite the fewest possible contributors. Yep. So you don't want less than is necessary, nope. but you don't need more. And a smaller group is just more nimble. It's so much easier to make a decision. It's so much easier to create alignment. Dale Doughton said this, meetings move at the speed of the slowest mind in the room. Think about that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right? So not everybody needs to be there. So issue invitations based on con contribution to the goal. If people just need the information, then you can circulate that information after the meeting. Right. They don't need to be in the meeting because they're going to slow down the meeting. They're going to be dead wood. So how do you handle not inviting people? You know, like, how do you set up uh, your team for success if you're going to not invite so many people to meetings? Well, again, and we've talked about this so many times on this show, it comes back to having a grown-up conversation with the entire team mm -hmm. and just so sort of address the, the elephant in the room and just say, look, we've all been in these kind of meetings where people get invited just as a courtesy invitation and they don't make any real contribution and it's a total waste of their time. They could be off doing productive work, but meanwhile, they're uh, sitting in a meeting wondering why in the world are there? Mm -hmm. So we're not going to do that in our organization. This is the conversation you'd be having with the team. We're not going to do that in this organization. You're going to be invited only if we feel like you've got a contribution to make and you're a necessary part of making the decision. If it's just information dissemination, we'll get that out after the meeting mm -hmm. and we'll make sure that everybody that needs to be included is included. But we're not just going to waste people's time because that's the most precious resource we have as an organization. And if we tie up everybody's discretionary time in non-discretionary meetings that they can't get out of, then when are they going to do their work? Mm -hmm. It's going to eat into their margin. It's right. going to eat into their weekends, into their evenings, into their family time. And then they're going to have to figure out you know, when they're going to do their work. I don't want that. I totally agree. So what if you find your calendar is packed with meetings and you want to figure out a way to politely excuse yourself from some of them that you've deemed to be unnecessary? What's the best way to navigate that? Well, I think if you feel like you're in a meeting, especially a standing meeting where you're no longer making a contribution, and I've done this innumerable times, is to just bow out. And, you know, don't denigrate the meeting, especially if you're not the organizer, but just, yeah, I mean, first of all, if it's a meeting that's wasting a lot of your time and a lot of your colleagues' time, you might be the brave person who goes and says, hey, I just got to thinking about this. You know, I think this meeting may have outlived its usefulness, or there may be another way for us to do this in a more efficient way so that we can all be doing the work that we're, you know, called upon uh, to do here. But again, have that grown-up conversation about it with your supervisor or with your colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you're leading meetings of this kind, you know, periodically it's important to ask the group. Are we still getting value out of this meeting? Is this something we need to continue mm -hmm. or something we need to revise? 
something we can uh, change. I mean, we did this in one of our meetings recently. You yep. and I had this conversation about our weekly team huddle. Right. We felt like that we had fallen into a little bit of a pattern there that need to uh, be addressed. And so we had a very quick conversation about it. You sent out an email to our uh, department heads about it and, you know, we tweaked it. And that that's a good thing to do. I think the other thing for leaders is to realize that you may be in meetings because you're not delegating. And so you're the decision-making bottleneck in your company or on your team. And as a result, you have to be in every meeting for projects to move forward. And if you're willing to let go of some control, then you can get some freedom back. Um, and that's that's a huge breakthrough for many people. Yeah, I had a boss years ago that required basically that he he – he wanted to make every decision mm-hmm. in the organization, uh, any decision of any consequence. So instead of having very specific levels of authority, mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe if I could spend up to X amount of money, I could do that on my own without a meeting. Or if I was going to spend more than that, I had to meet with maybe two other people, not him. You know, there was no rationale like that. It was just everything had to come to him. So we would, you know, it was like trying to get a, a, a landing spot at a very busy airfield, you know, right. try to find time on his calendar because he managed this way was very difficult. And oftentimes I found myself in a meeting that no longer was necessary because we'd missed the opportunity. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't get his approval. Right. I couldn't get to him for his approval. So we lost the opportunity. So you can really slow your organization down totally. if you're going to be a bottleneck like this. Yeah. So I think the way to, around that is just to empower your team to make decisions so that you only make the decisions you have to make. And like I said at the beginning of the show, if you can ask your team for recommendations rather than just information, that will expedite the decision-making process. And there may not be a need for a meeting at all that you're having on a regular basis. Well, and again, I just want to go back to saying something about um, a approval levels. Mm-hmm. You know, make it very clear what people's level of approval is. Here's a good example. You know, maybe something happens with uh, you know, a customer that requests a refund. And maybe the refund, you know, the cost of issuing that refund would be $150. Mm-hmm. So the person in charge of customer experience, and this has never happened at our company, but I've been in a company where this did happen, ends up calling a meeting to discuss whether we should refund $150. Mm-hmm. Now, they spend, you know, $2,000 worth of staff time to solve a $150 problem. Hmm. Instead of saying to the customer service people, look, up to $200, if you think it's worth a refund and it will, and, and we're playing the long game here, we want to keep the customer happy, then just go ahead and do it. We don't have to call a meeting to make that decision. Question one in sharpening your meeting culture is do we need to meet? Question two is who should be there? So what's question number three? What will we produce? This is really a question about the outcome. Yeah. Every meeting should have a clear outcome that you're after. Bill Gates said, you have a meeting to make a decision, not to decide on the question. Here's some legitimate types of outcomes for a meeting, like to make a decision or to create a project plan or a timetable, a product or performance evaluation, or to design or to assemble something. But at the top of each agenda, literally answer the question, what's the deliverable? Why are we meeting? Mm -hmm. No one should be confused about that. No one should have to wait till the end of the meeting to see if it was worthwhile. If you have a clear question, a clear deliverable, then you can evaluate whether you are effective and you know when to stop. Absolutely. You know, if you call a one-hour meeting and the deliverable is X and you can get it done in 30 minutes, the meeting's over. Right. We had this actually happen yesterday in our executive team meeting. We were able to end about half an hour early because we checked off all the outcomes and, you know, who wants to stay longer than you need to? Absolutely. So when it comes to these outcomes, they don't just happen. They really have to be engineered. And there's a couple of things or a couple of different ways that you can do that. First of all, you got to prepare the information and the tools that you'll need ahead of time. So make sure that people know exactly 
what resources, what preparation needs to be done before they show up. So you don't get there and people are fumbling around going, oh, well, we should have done this, or I wish we had this financial data or whatever. Mm -hmm. Make sure you determine that ahead of time. Next, instruct each participant what will be expected of them. They need to know what they're expected to contribute. I don't like having anyone in a meeting that's not talking. In other words, if you've got people in a meeting and they're sitting all the way through the meeting and they never say anything, they probably shouldn't have been there to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think informational meetings or status meetings are all that valuable. You know, occasionally there's probably an exception, but that's usually better handled with another tool. So then create a written agenda. This is critical. This is critical. You've got to have a track to run on. If you don't know where the meeting's going as the leader, there's a good chance it's going to be off track or arrive at a destination you didn't intend. Hey, speaking of, there should be a clear leader of the meeting. Totally. Sometimes departments just call meeting and there's meetings and there's no leader, which means it's nobody's job to keep the meeting on track and deliver the outcome. And that's a disaster waiting to happen. Well, how many times have we sat in a meeting where the guy that's leading doesn't have a clear idea of where the meeting's going, or she doesn't have an idea of where it's going. And it's just a rambling session because the meeting probably should have been called to begin with, not a clear outcome, and there's not an agenda that's going to take us to that outcome. Mm -hmm. Then I think be persistent in keeping the meeting on track. When people stray away, then there's got to be somebody that's the referee that calls the meeting back to order and makes sure that uh, it's progressing to the next um, agenda item. And if there's, a, if there's a topic that needs to be discussed, but not now or not in this meeting, that can be recorded and discussed at a later time. Put on the back burner for discussion uh, later. It helps, by the way, um, with both of those issues, keeping things on track and backburnering items. If you have that conversation with your team up front and just say, hey, we're going to do meetings in a way that we haven't done them before. Yes. Um, you know, I'm if, if we get kind of out of line here or we get off topic, I'm going to call us back to the agenda. And if there's something important that comes up, and it probably will, then we're going to capture those items. You know, hopefully you have somebody taking notes in the meeting, um, or at least one of the participants is taking notes. And we'll capture that for a later discussion, but we're going to stay on track and so I just don't want anybody to be surprised when I do that um, because it is going to happen. Yeah, that's good. Another way to focus the meeting towards the outcome is limit the amount of time for the meeting. Yes. And make it less than you think you actually need. Totally agree. Because that'll actually force some innovation and creativity and people won't be wasting a lot of time because they know they've got to get a decision made or they've got to get this outcome done by uh, a certain time. So I really believe in having a hard stop date. So respect that. And especially in an organization where you've got meetings, like we recommend batching, that are stacked up one after another, if you're late, you're going to have a domino effect on the other meetings. And that's Mm -hmm. not respectful to the other people. And it's not a very efficient way to do it either. And then I would say also, assign responsibilities and due dates for follow-up. You know, don't leave the scene of a meeting without clarity about what's required of each person right? So if there are specific assignments that need to be made, those need to be recorded. There needs to be a by when date. And if it's a standing meeting, the next time you have that meeting, then those are the first things that need to be covered in the agenda. Okay. Last time we said that Bob was going to do X by Y, Bob, give us a report. That builds in accountability. So one of the things that people often wonder is how to guide their team toward a result like a decision without dictating the outcome. Right. Because as leaders, I mean, we're a powerful presence in a meeting and very often our teams look to us to make decisions and we can over dominate a meeting in a way that is not really leadership. It's just sort of like, you know, 
well, you're taking case, over. Like, what's the point of the meeting? Yeah, what's the point of the meeting? Why do we need to have a meeting if we're going to just make the decision or tell right. everybody what the decision is going to be? But more often so, yeah. than oftentimes our teams realize they're the experts in the room, not us. We may need to make the final call, but we really need to hear from them. But how do you do that if you're the leader? So, you know, I remember this story that you told me about um, your previous boss, Sam Moore, and how he made a practice in meetings of always being the last person to speak um, when, you know, opinions were being shared and mm-hmm. things like that. And I've really taken that to heart and have heard some other advice, you know, about working almost like in reverse rank order. So you let the least senior person, and as a leader, you you don't just sort of let this happen because it won't happen. You actually have to ask it, you know, so you would ask the least senior person in the room for their opinion first and just sort of work backwards um, until you get to yourself. And frankly, if you've, if you've done your job, there's probably not much left to say except yes or no at the end. Yeah. Um, and that's when you really get interesting information. But if you let the most extroverted and the most senior people answer first, the more introverted, less senior people will never be heard. But that's not because their contribution isn't equally important. Well, I promise you, if you do that, you'll be astonished at the wisdom and the insight that those less senior people have. They've just never felt the freedom or been invited into the conversation in mm-hmm. a way that, that you're talking about here. Yeah. But it can make a huge difference. And it gives them a sense of confidence and esteem and contribution. And everybody's, you know, just makes the whole thing get better. So today we've learned that great meetings can foster collaboration and help your team be more productive. We've talked specifically about three questions that you can ask to accomplish that. First of all, do we need to meet? Second, who should be there? Third, what outcome will we produce? As we come in for a landing, I just want to remind you that having great meetings is within your power. Meeting culture may be broken, but as a leader, you have the power to fix it. Dad, do you have any final thoughts for us? Yeah, I do. I think in my own meeting evolution, I've gone from the place where I absolutely hated meetings, rolled my eyes at the thought of another meeting, to where now I honestly love meetings. Why? Because that's where the collaboration is going to happen. That's where innovation is going to happen. And I look forward to it. I love being with people and accomplishing something uh, that's more than what I could do on my own. So meetings don't have to be something that you dread. They can actually, hard to believe, but they can actually be something you look forward to. As we close, I want to thank our sponsor, Leaderbox. It provides. You didn't get a comment on what I said? No. Okay. It was good. Well, I mean, it was, it was kind of like, kind of like I said it. And you go like. I just heard Nick's little do 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 music, and you know, done. <laughs> As we close, I want to thank our sponsor, Leaderbox. It provides automated personal development in a box. Check it out at leaderbox.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can get the show notes and a full transcript online at lead2.win. And if you like the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about it. Also, please leave a review at michaelhadcom slash review it. It'll only take a few minutes and it will be super helpful for us if you do so. Thanks again for joining us. This program is copyrighted by Michael Hyatt and Company, all rights reserved. Our producer is Nick Jaworski. Our writers are Joe Miller and Lawrence Wilson. Our recording engineer is Mike Burns. Our production assistant is Alicia Curry. And our intern is Winston. We invite you to join us next week when we'll talk about the importance of self-care for leaders. Until then, lead to win.